how the Red Wings have started this year. I feel like Ricky Bobby right now, not knowing what to do with my hands. There's just too much positivity almost. I feel like I have less to talk about. Yeah, for someone that is kind of the Debbie Downer of everything, I I don't really know what to do. I, I like to be like the biggest pessimist, but I can't really fit in right now. Yeah, because I mean, I felt like if we look back at our recording schedule so far this year, it was like one week we're super positive. Oh, we're really we're really bummed the next week. This is the first week in a row. I think we've done two positive ones in a row. Kind of cool. Kind of a cool feeling. It was like and the feeling is similar to what it was last year, like in February, like with the Red Wings went on that hot streak. Um, But this one, it obviously feels more tangible this year. Like last year, it kind of just felt like this is really fun. What's this kind of ride? Pew Suter scoring a bunch of goals. Let's go. <laughs> I thought um, Pew, Pew Suter was going to win the Ross that year. I mean, hey, listen. I'll, you want to have that conversation, let's have that conversation. But um, unfortunately, he's injured. That's the only thing that's holding him back right now is he's injured. Vancouver. It's true. Um, but yeah, Red Wings, six of their last seven. Um, currently sits second in the Atlantic Division. And things are looking up. Um, welcome into another episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. This episode, we will be recapping slash taking some storylines out of the last... I think four games now that we haven't talked about um, some more cat Patrick Kane stuff as that guy is everywhere. He can't, he can't stay out of the media. Um, talk some Alex Lyon, um, some line combinations. What's going to look like is Patrick Kane's going to be making his Red Wings debut at home against the San Jose Sharks on Thursday. Um, you want to just start with that? I feel like that's kind of fun. Started off hot and then we can go into like the game. Um, yeah. Patrick Kane finally. I know Bucci Gross on Tuesday was really bummed that the uh, that he wasn't making his debut in Buffalo, which would have been a fun storyline. And I'm sure the national, uh, I'm sure ESPN HQ was not the the most pleased with that decision. Oh, 100 percent no. Especially it would have been like Tage Thompson coming back and Patrick Kane. That'd have been fun. That's a good storyline. And yeah. especially that game, which we'll get into too. Like that would have been a lot of stuff going around that game. Um. But yeah, the comments today out of practice, which was a very optional practice. I think there was a total of five players and then three goalies. Like it was a, I haven't really seen anything like that. Usually the optional, you still get like 10, 12 guys. Yeah, they must, must be quite a few guys a little bit banged up too. Which was, Lone was hinting at that, but then like it was kind of Helene St. James kind of pushed it and. And it wasn't really, she didn't really form the question to be like, is Patrick Kane playing? It was more so like his availability. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, he's available. He's in. And whereas, oh, okay. Um, but the the stuff that goes around it is interesting. Of very much limiting his minutes and also trying multiple centers and he'll start with the Brinkett. So I don't know which part you want to start there. Like I think the multiple centers thing kind of sticks out to me the most of who's kind of the best fit there. Um, what do you kind of think? Like, who do you think you'd like to see the most there? Yeah, there. I mean, there's three guys in particular, in in particular that I would like to see, um, maybe plugged in there for um at least a little bit. I mean, the obvious one's got to be Larkin. Obviously, him and Raymond are playing at a very high level together right now, and with whoever's on their wing, it doesn't really matter right now. So, I mean, you could basically go two and two if you wanted to. Um, but I think you got to try out, give the three of them a couple reps at least. And I think that's going to happen tomorrow um, or today when you're listening to this. Um, the the other ones for me are JT Comfer. Um, He's played at such a high level to start the season. And basically all my concerns about him during the offseason have been answered and I think he would make for a pretty good center between the two of those guys and then the other one would be Joe Valeno I wouldn't mind seeing center the two of those um simply because of pace and he's playing just with a certain like a different swagger than we've seen in years past from him yeah, I, I think the the two obvious ones I think for at least tomorrow I think will be Comfort Valeno. 
Um, I mean, you saw in practice the, on Monday when they did line rushes and stuff like that, Kane did um, slot in on the right with Valeno in the middle, along with uh, DeBrinket, obviously. And he had Robbie Fabry on that top line. Um, and I kind of like the thought of that a little bit more. I mean, JT Comfort was also not practicing that day, so that also is a question mark of where you put him after that. But, I mean, if you're looking at, like, a top six up, something like that, that's uh, very attractive, and that's without JT Comfort. I mean, you could either, like, flex JT Comfort to the wing on that top line with Raymond and Larkin, which would be really good, or you throw JT Comfort at 3C. What are you shaking your head about? Um, that that's the only thing I, I, JT Comfort playing three C is quite incredible, I guess. Um, but I don't really want him flex to the wing right now. I don't I either. I'm just I'm just saying it's an it's an option. He's playing at such a high level, and Larkin's load is just so much less now. He's a, he's able to take a lot of these hard D zone shifts from Larkin, which in years past that hasn't really been the case. Larkin's had to do literally everything. Um, so, so I mean, you could see a reality where you could bump him to a three C, but in all reality, if he's being bumped to three C, I don't really think it's going to be considered a third line. I think you're going to have like a middle six and it's going to be quite even on the lines. Um, but there, there's a lot you can do. Um, I think for me, my ideal situation would be Comfort centering Kane and Debrinket. But I, obviously, you want to see more than just that looked at. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the big question is long term fit. If you do that long term fit on the first line with Raymond and Larkin, that's my biggest question right now. Because that third line is scoring goals kind of like crazy, or one guy in particular. I don't know if you want to take him away from what they're doing right now. Yeah, um, but I also, yeah, I mean, we're talking about Robbie Fabry, obviously, um, which I think we should spend some time on him like separately. But I mean, I like the thought of him getting rewarded like on a top line role potentially as well. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, but I also don't want that to fizzle him out. I think right now that third line's playing really, really good, and they're scoring a lot of even strength goals, which is huge. I mean, just to have, I guess, your middle six to bottom six scoring goals at that clip is, it's invaluable. Yeah, and then you you look like something like on the fourth line of Michael Rasmussen, potentially in the center, or Christian Fisher, and Christian Fisher and Sprong or something like that, and you have Klim as the extra guy, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, if you were to ask me right now who I'm sitting with Kane coming in, it would be Clem. Um, nothing really against him. Just the other guy that would probably be the guy sitting has been way too good. Yeah, I, Fisher's, Fisher's been better than him. Fisher doesn't really do a whole lot wrong. I think the Fisher is just kind of... I mean, you never notice him in a bad way. He's always busting his ass. Um, He can play on the penalty kill. He's physical, too. And he just wins puck battles. I, I don't know what, what more you want from, like, a fourth liner. And he, like, can create chances, too. It's not like he's a black hole offensively. I just No, think... he, he, he wins, like, puck battles down low, and he loves to go for the net jam. Yeah, but not like, it, not like not like the Adam Ernie spin and throw it to the slot. No, like no, jams it at the net. Yeah, and that creates a lot. And I, I also think he's got just a really good hockey brain. I, I don't think you want to take him out of the lineup right now. I think no. with Klim, there's, there's a little bit of negativity sometimes with his game. Um, for example, like one thing that just triggers me, watching him is, anytime on his own entry his first instinct instead of like take it wide on the defenseman which he has more than enough speed to do is he just throws it on net and it's not like it's a hard shot to stop it's well, he's a big he's a big fan of pumping up his coursey yeah pucks on that looks good uncontested i 
that drives me crazy. And then that basically just that I, I think there's some more there's more risk in his game than Christian Fisher's. I think Fisher might be one of my favorite additions this year, to be honest with you. And I know that's boring because he's a fourth liner, but he's I, I love watching him play. I think anyone who has like a hockey podcast, they're gonna go for like a hipster answer in terms of like their favorite player. Because it's not it's not fun to be like, ooh, my favorite my favorite player this year has been Dobrinkit. Yeah, it's not as fun. No, it's not. That's why you know someone will be like, ooh, you know, like you look at any roster and like someone will try to do that. Like I don't remember like Leafs fan last year reading like, oh, Zach Ashton Reese is my favorite player. Like, okay, I'm not saying he's my favorite player. I think he. I said he's one of my favorite acquisitions this offseason. Well, you know, I'm I'm obviously being facetious, but I I think it's I think it's funny that like how like people who are hardcore fans like us like will look at a team and pick like the most obscure guy. Yeah, for sure. Right, like that's why Red Wings fans for so much, so much loved Luke Witkowski. Yeah, I'm just waiting for that Brogan Rafferty call up. Yeah, don't let him cook. I right? I don't I don't want Evanson to get called up. I want Brogan Rafferty to get called up. We just spoil a potential talking point later on. Um, I'm joking. We'll we'll talk about it. But uh, yeah, kind of like circling back to Kane. Um, man, it feels weird. Like how much like media attention the writings have been getting, and I mean, most of it is Kane generated. But from years past, like how much interest there is in the Red Wings. Um, and Kane has been. I feel like on every broadcast he's been on, he has some sort of like he has to do a media thing. Started with TNT on Wednesday. He's doing a he's doing the bit with like uh the the guys before the game, Biz asking him if he's gonna be showtime again, doing the pumpernickel, I think it was the way he yeah, described it, it. Um Kane was a little bit boring up until when Biz asked the question, because I think I think he was kind of like reserved and then Yeah, but like overall, like you look through all the interviews and he's been really like confident in his ability. And I guess it's kind of like kind of move into my question on what are expectations. Now, because we the last time we recorded, we had no information really other than it became official that he signed right as we were recording. Um, we had the Steve Eisman press conference and Patrick Kane press conference. Easy for me to say press conference. Third time's a charm. That was um, beautiful. Yeah, that's tough. It's when you know you've worked a lot of hours this week and not a lot of sleep. Um, where they both both guys honestly like unprompted gave a lot of optimism it's kind of strange so i guess i asked you what are your expectations yeah i'm still kind of in the same boat as i was a week ago i i don't want to have too much obviously i feel like a little kid again but i'm very excited to watch him but i still think that my expectations need to be tempered and everyone else's needs to be as well. It's still an unproven surgery in this sport. And I I guess like the biggest thing with him is as a fan to be patient. Like it's not something that's just going to snap a finger and he's not going to be like, I mean, who knows, but I, I, if I had to guess, it's going to take him, if all things go well, I think it's going to still take him like a week to get into his, into Patrick Kane or like to be comfortable as a Red Wing, I guess. So, I mean, that, that needs to be under, like, you will understand that that's going to take him some time. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I just found it weird because, I mean, both Eisman and Kane have been referencing his form in, like, 2021-2022. He had 92 points that year. Yeah, and I know he was talking about being peg-legged, basically playing on, like, one leg almost. Which when, is... I mean, and, you, and you look at his highlights last year, you can see a lot of goals. He yeah. He score shots. Like he's not moving that right leg. Especially, like, end of his tenure in Chicago into, like, New York. I mean, I never really paid attention to it when I was watching him. I just thought he, like, looked slow. But like now, when you look back at like highlights, you're like, oh you're my like, gosh, oh, he's, yeah. he's using one leg. <laughs> you're like, oh okay, the, he's and, literally like not moving his barely. Yeah, um, and obviously, like it seems alone when they says like ice time. I'm guessing he'll like 
it will be limited five on five, and you're probably gonna shoot for more of like a twelve or thirteen minute game, um, with a lot of power play time. And I'm really curious to see what the power play units look like because again, the power play has been pretty good. I mean, uh, goals. It's been really good the last couple of games. Yeah. What is it? Seven straight games with a goal. Seven straight goals with at least a goal. I think it's ten goals across those games. So I mean, that's that's really too. good. Yeah. And you've had like a, and it's not been just one unit like the beginning of the year. It's both units are clicking. Like I thought like last night in Buffalo, the second unit was cooking. I really liked what that was doing. But I mean, the one practice where the like Kane got to do power play reps, they had something like, I think it was Kane on the right half wall, obviously. Goss bear up top, Larkin bumper. I think it was Perron on the other side. And then it was Raymond net front, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It was either that or Perron and Raymond flipped. Raymond, which was is net. Raymond was net front. Okay, so it it's weird because like I would love to see Kane and Debrinket also be paired up on the power play because I think it's just such a it's such a great passing to shooter. Yeah, like, my my ideal situation would be to leave that first unit as is right now because they are humming, um, and that second unit has been really good too. But I would bump Valeno off that second unit. I would bump Fabry to bumper mm-hmm. and I would put Kaner on his offhand. Uh who's oh that's right. Uh yeah, you go Fabry net front. Yeah, and then okay. Yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah. All of a sudden you got two units. Yeah. I actually don't hate that. It's still weird to me having to break it in, in the the bumper, but they've kind of been like the way they roll, and it's, this is what I like. The power play he, is moving. The power play is moving. He moves a lot. I I hated it initially, but he finds himself like backdoor a lot and stuff like that. And he's he's slippery too. He, he finds soft spots really well. And yeah, I think I mean, the uh, the cider goal last night. I mean, there was they're all roll him, Sprong, Fabry, were all rolling and opened it up for cider to literally take that shot at the hash yep. marks almost. It felt like. Yeah, one more thing I wanted to mention on, like, optimism and whatnot is when you look at, like, the list of players that have actually had the surgery, they are way different players than Patrick Kane. Like, for example, Ryan Kessler, a really physical player. He didn't come back from the surgery. Um, He also had multiple surgeries before that. Like, yeah, also preface that he's but I mean, like the way he plays too. like, he's not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Nick Backstrom, he's not really physical. I I would say that's the most similar, but um, like still, I mean, Carl Haglin, that one, he's like a really speedy guy that is still physical. And when you think about like Kaner, how many times like a game does Kane get hit? Not often. Not often because there's like a certain like respect level there where like any hit on him is usually like a push or like barely hit. Like he, no one's just going out and crunching Patrick Kane. That just doesn't happen. Like even looking back, I'm pulling this out of last night's game. Even looking back on that Larkin hit from behind, I don't think anyone would hit Patrick Kane from behind. Probably not. Like even, and I'm I'm just thinking about it. I just don't think that ha- that will happen. There's just yeah. certain players like that that just doesn't happen to. Yeah, like I'm trying to think of the last time like Patrick Kane got crunched. I can't think of like a highlight reel hit I, against him. I can't remember. I mean, he also his brain is also like exceptional. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where he's true. able to like as soon as he gets the puck, he already knows where someone else is, and he does an area pass. Which I'm the most excited. That's like I think it's the thing I'm most excited about is the way he can open up an offensive zone five on five. Even when yeah. he gets his zone entry, he like almost stops and lets defenders come to him, and he'll wait for like a guy cruising up the middle or something like that, and he'll find a guy for a quick like you look for two on ones across the zone, right? In the offensive zone, it's all about creating odd man chances in little areas, and he's so good at like setting that up. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're kind of on the same page in terms of what we're looking for, but I, obviously I'm very excited to see him play. I'm excited. I, yeah, the, the media tour so far, it's going to die down a little bit as he's played his game as he's, yeah, he did. It was kind of funny how the Red Wings had 
a little bit of everything. They had a couple Valley sports spots, obviously at TNT, and then you had ESPN uh, last night. So hit all of them. It happened to be the week of where you had a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's crazy. But yes, yeah, so Patrick Kane, Showtime officially in Detroit. Will be interesting to see. Well, obviously next week we'll be talking all about that. Um, so moving along, let's kind of like go through storylines of the past four games here where the Red Wings went three and one, starting with uh, the loss in New York. Um, why do the refs and more specifically Brian Boucher hate the Red Wings and their players being defenseless? The funniest part about this game was is for some reason, whenever the Red Wings play the Rangers, my Twitter feed is just full of Rangers fans. And I have no idea why, um, but Rangers fans were complaining about the refs the whole game, and I have no idea what that was about because I literally thought the refs were so bad in this game. I mean, there were the two big hits from behind. Um, there was the who got crunched from me. It was Ghost Goss got absolutely crunched by a. Uh, What's Cooley. the bad the bad rookie? Cooley. Cooley. Not bad rookie, sorry. Not, not as good as the worst Cooley and the improper spelling Cooley. Um Yeah, that's not how you say Cooley. That's just, let's, just, let's get that out of the way. Yeah. You're not fooling anyone. Yeah. That's not how that's not how that works. Anyways, Ghost gets crunched from behind, and the first thing Brian Boucher says is like he should have saw that coming. Like he put himself in a vulnerable spot when his back was turned the whole time, and I'm literally Sitting here by myself, wanting to run through the TV because I'm so infuriated. I just and there wouldn't really there wouldn't have been it. a call either unless Clem grabbed it. Like Clem didn't grab him. Yeah. Which 100%. good on Clem. Good on Clem. Yeah, that's well, one thing about Clem. He doesn't even have to see the hit. He'll just drop the mad side. He does he not care. care. He'll the only, only thing about Clem is he gets too excited. I did sometimes where he just tackles a guy in accident before he even gets to throw a punch. <laughs> well, that's he—he's big braining that. He's—he instead of sitting five, he'll sit two. Yeah, and then he still continues to try to throw him anchors with the guys. On the <laughs> what was it? Was that the last one where he actually got a bunch of punches in and they still called him for two? I'm like, that shouldn't have been two. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember it, either. It was but... the it was the next game where he got a ten minute for doing it when the ref was trying to pull him off and he's just swinging. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was definitely like you're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was like, he deserved that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, like two people I'd like to I'd like to call out and being very piss poor at their job. Uh, the other one, the announcer's safe right now, but TJ Luxmore. The fact that I know your name is never good. I, he's the baby face looking skinny kid that always yeah, I didn't even, ends up with Red Wing games. I never even know his name. I just know him as like the really weird, the weird like baby face. Um, yeah. That I always get annoyed at. Yeah. But he's terrible. Legitimately bad at his job. So there you go. I'll start there. And then I'm moving on to you, Brian Boucher. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the screen now. Obviously this is all audio format, but Brian, just so you know, I'm looking, looking you right in the eyes. You were terrible at your job. Plain and simple, if I wish I was this bad at my job and still be employed. It's it's nuts. He, I was I had some hope that like him moving to TNT would open up his personality more. No, he still sucks. Yeah. Legi- legitimately his analysis is terrible, has been since he was on NBC. Um, and the fact that like you can look at those two plays to break it and Gosses Bear and still think it's a clear check for like clearly on the player on the receiving end is absolutely wild to me. Yeah, that was pretty ridiculous. I, I I won't go as far as you did with that, but I coward. Do, yeah, I'm a coward. I I do think whenever I listen to him, some of his takes are are pretty interesting, and I I guess in particular the Debrink Kit and the Ghost one, where he just before even watching the replay, he was just like, they need to see that coming. And it's yeah. like it's almost like there was a complete bias with the Rangers. Um, I don't know. It's just weird. I, I, tr- I try my best not to like think into biases in terms of that way. I was literally just I'm looking straight at like how they described those plays going down, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. You see it that way. Well, I was just like, I mean, even compared, I mean, obviously you get a little homerism when you watch a Bally Sports Detroit broadcast because, as you do with any 
home team broadcasts because they watch the team every night and they become like big fans of the team essentially. Or you like you have a guy like Mickey who played for the Red Wings and I mean definitely you're a fan and stuff. But when you like get these different national broadcasts, like when I I I I've always since TNTs became a thing, I've liked TNTs better. But more recently, they've had these weird broadcast crews. Like, ever who since, is, like, who is the guy calling? Was it Kenny Albert that was calling the game? It was Kenny Albert. And I love listening to Kenny Albert. Kenny Albert can call a good game. Um, but with Brian Boucher, it kind of derailed, and I kind it was kind of miserable listening to it. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I my favorite, my favorite's the uh, the Islanders announcer with um Darren Pang. I lo- I love listening to Pang, and uh, honestly. You could throw any announcer with Pang, and I'd be fine. Like I could listen to that. Um, he's awesome. But I, I was just like saying, since TNTs became a thing, I've always preferred it over ESPN. But comparing the two broadcasts that have been nationally um, streamed over the last week, you've had the ESPN Plus slash Hulu game. You've had the TNT game, and it was Kenny Albert and Ryan Callahan, or Kenny Albert and Brian Boucher, and then it was John Bucci-Grass and Ryan Callahan. And I love, I mean, Bucci-Grass might not be, like, the cleanest announcer, but he, man, is he enjoyable to listen to. And also, like, him and Ryan Callahan, like, have a really good thing going. Yeah. And they're really easy to listen to together. I mean, even... One thing I took out of the game um, last night against Buffalo, there was the the hit on Fabry like really early in the game from um, Eric Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. And the first thing they said was, oh, that was a – or like – and Fabry got like crunched from behind a little bit. They never said like he should have saw it coming and stuff like that. And then they see the replay and they actually go, oh, well, Fabry kind of adjusted his positioning right before the hit. So where his back was kind of turned, and then Eric Johnson was already like making contact or whatever, and they there gave an no, explanation. There was, no, there was no blame either way. There was no blame, but they gave an explanation on what happened, not like okay, he should have looked with his eyeballs in the back of his head, like. And I actually didn't. I thought that was a pretty like okay hit, the one Johnson threw on Fabry. It was just unfortunate that Fabry turned at the wrong time and got crunched because Johnson was yes. already lining up hit. But they explained what happened. The the like the Gossesbear and Debrinket one from the Rangers game, they were just like, Oh, well, they should have saw that coming and they they did that to themselves. Like also I hate them and I hope they're injured. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm but, maybe I'm filling in some pieces I don't remember, but I, I actually thought I heard that. I, I could have I could I could be wrong. Not hundred percent sure. But, but no, um, I, I I love listening to like Bucci Gross and like Ryan Callahan does such a good job with him. They're full, just enjoyable. Full 100% agreement from like that was like last night was like probably one of the more entertaining um national broadcasts I've watched in a while. And I and I like Kevin Weeks a lot in the like the studio in between intermissions and stuff. I mean it's not as enjoyable as like when the TNT crew is full like and yeah. that whole like when they have their full team basically, but I can actually listen to Kevin Weeks and be okay. Um I, also, Ar- I, Arda Ocal does pretty good too. He, he's yeah, he's not bad. Um, I th- I would much rather listen to like a Red Wings broadcast all day over both national broadcasts, but um, it's it's just it, it makes the game a lot less enjoyable when you have to listen to like kind of half half assing a job basically and not yeah. giving like explanation on why they think this and why they have an opinion about this. Like it's, it's kind of terrible for a fan to have to like sit through that, especially when they're used to their, their home teams announcing crew. The Red Wings fans are also pretty spoiled with the crew. We like even, even going behind Ken and Mick, like Chris Osgood does. He's very entertaining. Like when he's in the, like kind of like the crew, Yep, I, I think he does a really good job there. Um, he's 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 gotten so much better. He, he, he honestly he gets, he gets he gets better and better every year. He looked like Trevor, uncomfortable when he was first starting, and he's gotten better and better. Trevor Thompson, Trevor Thompson's great, great, great at his job. Um, and again, like you keep going, like John Keating is always a good host. And John it's, Keating's it's funny. good, and it's funny. 
like you, they have their bits um they go at each other it's a good time um but yeah so I, i'm full agreement with the the broadcast stuff but i i forgot kind of i kind of like was forgot to mention this is this is the first of two games that dylan larkin was out and obviously our thoughts are with the larkin family right now as obviously they lost their unborn child so thoughts are with him and his wife um and the rest of their family through the tough times obviously it's just something you never want to hear someone go through um yeah it's and, awful yeah so i'm and i'm glad he took the time away from the team regardless on results and stuff like that like there's bigger things than hockey so i was really happy to see him but obviously back on the saturday but happy to see him take the time um but kind of like hard right turn again back into the game uh to kind of wrap up new york billy Huso, i thought was really good i thought that was one of his better games i i, I think aside i mean we'll talk about the last game he played um I think he's been pretty good with this new rotation and we'll kind of get into the goaltending a little bit more as like a, as a whole. Um, but yeah, I was impressed. Like I can't really look at any of those goals and be like, who so like, I, I honestly, I thought that he played really well. I mean, you kind of break it down. The Red Wings got out um, to a pretty decent start, let it one in. Um, then they took a two, one lead in 21 seconds. And then, eventually coughed up a third period lead when they took off the gas a little bit, which is something they've kind of been having an issue with in the third period. Um, but yeah, so New York, uh, obviously would love to have a point there, but it, overall, like a lot better effort than the last time they were in New York, which was the, probably like the worst game of the year. Yeah. I think it was a gutsy performance without your captain too. And like you said, I thought Huso played really well, um, which is encouraging. You need him to be good. I mean, he was supposed to be your starter going into the year. And he had, I mean, granted, his wins and losses look pretty good. His save percentage and goals against average is not good. So, correct. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, so back to back, which honestly, this is a pretty favorable back to back in terms of limited travel and being at home in the second day um, and playing against a team like Chicago. Um, but honestly, Chicago has been pretty plucky this year. Like, even though I know the standings are pretty low. <laughs> I've liked their effort considering also all the stuff that happened over the past couple of weeks with Corey Perry and all that to, to continue to play through all of that. And at one point, I honestly thought the, the Red Wings could have been down on this game by quite a bit, but Alex Lyon stood on his head. Yeah. I think I, th- I thought they got outplayed. Um, I thought like Chicago gave up some pretty big chances, but in terms of, kind of like possession and stuff. I thought Chicago kind of controlled the game a little bit. Um, Just a couple mistakes here and there. And the Red Wings have been a team that you can't really give mistakes to this year. I mean, they're one of the highest scoring teams in the league this year, which is crazy to think about after the last two years. But, but here we are. Um, Yeah. Chicago this year, they've basically just been a, feisty team and they have like that kind of young tenacity and then I mean their goalie kind of has that written all over him too Mrazek's just a fighter like dude fights and he I mean some days he fights too hard where he's 10 feet out of position but he fights yeah he's a, he's an interesting guy um but yeah obviously Bedard looks good he looks legit he's <laughs> he's the real deal, yeah, very good. It was yeah, the Redding scored a shorthanded goal right away. Nice pass from Andrew Cop to JT Comfer, and then thirty seconds later they go on and score the, on the power play to make it one one. I was yeah. like, ah, that's gonna be one of those games. Um, but no, not the case. As Robbie Fabry scores, I, I'm already gonna slide that in as the Red Wings goal of the year. That was something special. Robbie Fabry, round of applause. Yeah, that was gross easily the nicest goal I can think of since like I think like the Thomas Tatar goal in Dallas is like the only thing I can think of is like recent. What about the Athens CU goal against Tampa? Was it Tampa where he toe dragged and then backhand Oh shot? no 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 it was Dallas as well actually. Oh yeah that was it was Dallas as well. I'm that thinking was... of the I was thinking the almost goal he scored in the playoffs the, the last time the Red Wings were in the playoffs because you know I can remember Bertuzzi goal against Tampa Oh yeah, that's a good one. Hedman and Sergachev. I I still think Fabry's better. Than I don't think one. so. He, oh, he walked to two defenders. 
Robbie Fabry did it with one hand, and then yeah, I got, I got you. I'm going Fabry. Different things for different people. Uh, sorry, one player plays on the Red Wings now; the other one doesn't. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll go Fabry Rob- too. Yeah, smart. But, but Bertuzzi did it to Sergeyev and Hedman, and Vasilevsky. Not all bums. And Wyatt Kaiser. All bums. No pun intended on the Andre Vasilevsky part of that. Yeah, true. That's a tough one for that reporter. I don't know. I hope nobody finds out who that is because that could. That's a career uh, that is, stapler right there. That is. The video is funny. I'm gonna go on a little side tangent. That's hilarious. A Vasilevsky. Awesome. A Vasilevsky. Like everyone in that room just being 12 year olds and chuckling. And, and, and no, then Vas- no one laughed until like Vasi started laughing. Yeah, Vasi just kind of like <laughs> he's like, "What was the question again?" <laughs> so wholesome. Like there was nothing like you that's disgusting. It was literally just like, "Hey, you know what? It happens." Like that was funny. Let's move on. I loved it. That was awesome. <laughs> that's perfect. I again love that. Um, but yeah, so, so Robbie Fabry, his hot streak continues. I want to spend some time on Robbie Fabry and kind of properly give him his flowers. I mean, is he gonna shoot at forty percent all year? Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on a limb and say no. Crazy, I know, right? I'm gonna take that stance. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate and say yes. <laughs> but no, honestly, like, what is is he at eight goals, three assists in twelve games? Yeah, a play per game player. It's, it's a ridiculous clip right now. <laughs> and he was kind of like on that and during the Red Wings hot streak last year, which I referenced at the start of the episode. I believe he was like on a similar point space. It was him and like Pew Suter that were carrying the load. Yeah, I don't think it was this crazy, but I think it was really good. Yeah, and I'm and obviously like I love like the nice comments I keep seeing online, like on Twitter, be, from people being like, "Hey, this is awesome for Robbie Fabry, a guy who's just been through so much injury again." Like even this year, coming back like from another knee, like knee scare at a couple points, and he's able to like look comfortable. Obviously, his skating is just so weird now and so wonky with as he has basically two brand new knees. But he's still so effective in the sense of how he's. I mean, let's let's not be let's not like claim that Robbie Fabry's the best player on the on the earth. He is still kind of a black hole on defense. Like there was a I forget what, it was in the Rangers game where Mika walked him and kind of led to that. That was another goal against two where he's kind of on the bad end of it. But in terms of being like around the net and stuff like that, he's a really good finisher. Yeah, and has really good hands, and I'm I'm super happy for him to be doing his thing. His his hands in tight, like uh, like a quick move. He's really good at doing that, and then just finding open space, kind of in the middle of the offensive zone. He's really good at, and he has a quick shot too. Even though he's bound to like cool off, I mean, I still think he can score twenty plus goals, no problem this year. Oh, easy! And having that in your third line is pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, he's going to bounce around a little bit. Like, I I do think he gets some time in the top six, probably maybe even tomorrow. And I'll, more than well, I'll be I'll be cheering him on. But yeah, I'm. Uh, and he scored another goal this game too. I'm very happy for Robbie Fabry. Yeah, and he was too. a guy. He was a guy like even including ourselves. I think in the beginning of the year, I think we with injury concerns. We were like, oh, and having Bergen in the lineup, we were like, I guess Robbie Fabry might be out. I I was kind of counting him out. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I was like, like I was kind of. Thinking like because of all the injuries, and then you have young players that are trying to push for spots. And I, if you're going like replacement level players, I kind of had Fabry in that territory. And uh, boy, am I ever wrong about that right now! Yeah, yeah, happy to be wrong. We're, we're oh, we're 100%. Big, we are big Robbie Fabry fans. I remember, like, and I think, and I think we said that like when we were doing the like episode, we're like, hey, we love Robbie Fabry, but we're just not sure like what he's going to be at. Yeah. So yeah, obviously uh, one of my favorite storylines to follow so far this year for sure. Um, but yeah, it really was the the Robbie Fabry and JT Confer show this game. I mean, JT Confer two goals too. Um, he honestly filled in okay as the one C. Like he did not look super out of place. I thought he did his job. I I yeah, like I think obviously is he one C? No, but and now this year, uh, the last couple years, I mean, when Dylan Larkin's been out, I mean, it's It's, never it's been awful. It's awful. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, Andrew Cop. Remember, strap on the work boots. The COVID season when Larkin missed some time. Oh my! He, after well, he the missed ben, like the last, he missed the, the last ben like ten check. games. Yeah, yeah. I who who was even the first line center then? Oh God, 
It might have been Rasmussen. Uh, yeah, there's Philpla. I'm pretty sure it's Rasmussen. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, Joe Valeno didn't get called up yet. Who else was center on that team? That's Glenn bad. Denning. Glenn Denning was fourth. Now they had that four, fourth line locked down with uh, Adam Ernie <laughs> and Darren Helm. That was set. We're touching that one. I'm that's gonna bug man. Who was the actual center? Because obviously Verona came in. But yeah, I know the the one of the big lines producing for that team was it was a second line of Valtteri Filippola, Jacob Verona, and Sam Gagne. That line was nasty. And also Michael Rasmussen, I think, was also part of that too. Um, but yeah, what a wild ride that was. <laughs> um man, what a weird are you looking it up right now? Who yeah, was I'll the pull one it up. C- who was playing center? That's crazy. That's gonna bug me. Like I can't even think who else like Athens CU is gone. Would that have been 1920? 21, 2021. Yeah. Oh my god. Because Bobby Ryan was on the team. He got hurt though. I don't think he was playing at this point. Oh, Nielsen. Oh, but he was a scratch at a lot though. I don't think he was playing one C. I don't know who was playing one C at this point. I, I th- I'm pretty sure it was Rasmussen. Yeah, I think you might be right. Joe Valeno also, I know for the last like five games, he played top six as well at center, which was like our only like solace at that point. That season was just garbage. Somehow yeah. kept the puck out of the net pretty good, but they could not score to save their lives, obviously. And, I mean, and we had Matias Brome. Ooh, most handsome man in hockey. That's yep. a fact. It's a good looking dude. I forgot Christian Juice played for the Red Wings that year. Yeah, he broke the the power play streak. I love how, yeah, I, I, love, I love how off topic we're getting, but yeah, <laughs> it's fun to kind of uh, reminisce, especially like in good times like this, to like look and be like, "Man, what were we thinking at points like that?" I'm thinking, I'm thinking about Christian Juice, Franz Nielsen, and Valtteri Filippo right now, and I'm, I have the song like "Let the Good Times Roll" in my head mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, yeah. I think about like random players throughout the the rebuild often. Like you know who I use in Puck Doku all the time is Scott Wilson. That is a good one. Yeah, so that's a psycho answer. I should not be able to remember that, but I do, um, because I'm crazy. Anyway, back to current Red Wings with you know the ones that actually played meaningful hockey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Chicago again, five one win, not the prettiest, but Alex Lyon. Let's let's talk about the goaltending. How does this affect Matias Brome's legacy? Before mm, we talk good, about this, good question. <laughs> good question. Uh, well, he's still the most handsome man ever to play in the NHL. Okay, so okay, that's all. I, okay, let's that's, that is his legacy. Yeah, <laughs> twenty six games, one or one goal, one assist. We'll never be touched. How I know that Le- off the top of my head? Legend. Don't ask. Legends Don't ask. never die. Legends never die. That's right. Um, but yeah, Alex Lyon. And again, last night in Buffalo, too, we'll kind of merge the rest of this together. While he let in three goals, still bailed the Red Wings out a couple times. He made a big save on Paterka to save it from going to a tie game. Um, made a big save on Rosen, Rosane, too, on the back door. He looked he looks super comfortable. And I know it was in the press conference day when they uh, asked Lalone who's going to start. Obviously, who's so starting, but... It was a couple games ago where someone asked him, is this, oh, I think it was Max, asked him, is this going to become more of a rotation? And he was very adamant, no. And now, after after last night, he the when he got asked about when when like who's going to be next, and he's like, after that performance again, Lion will be probably be back on Saturday. Yeah. And he seemed pumped about it. And yeah, he's, I, he's playing great hockey right now. Yeah, I have his uh, I have his stats pulled up here. Um, where is it? Um, yes, four and one, one point six one goals against nine forty seven save percentage and a goals save above expected of a six point one, yeah, which was like eighth in the league. Yep, he is nuts right now. Um, and he he's so calm. Like I like watching him play. He's so calm and square to pucks right now. Because I like I think like last year I think I like mischaracterized him. I almost like characterized him more as like a Peter Mrazek type of being like super active in the net and moving around and flailing. I haven't really seen that in his game. He is for the most part he's he's really swallowed up rebounds quite well. And he doesn't really give up like really good secondary opportunities. I've seen it a couple times, but it's not as extensive as Mrazic. There is the 
Oh man. There was one play yesterday that I'm thinking of against Buffalo where he sprawled all over and I got a little bit anxious, but he ended up making a save. And I was just thinking about Mrazic. I I actually was watching the game on Discord with Chase and I was like, I literally thought that was Peter Mrazic. <laughs> well, 34 so doesn't help either. So it's funny that you bring that up. But ultimately, he's just been really stable. Um, and that's what the Red Wings need right now when they're scoring this many goals. Like, you just need a goalie back there that's going to make saves. This is kind of how Edmonton has fallen off a cliff, right? You look at Edmonton, they're horrible defensively. I would say the Red Wings are a much better team defensively. But Edmonton hasn't been getting saves either. And that's how the, the start of the season started for them. And when you look at the Red Wings... None of their problems are coming with the goal scoring, which last year that was the problem. Now it's kind of letting in too many goals. So I think if you get a goalie like Lyon going, possibly makes Husso want to work harder. And that just creates a kind of good problem to have, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, sorry, I was kind of like looking um for goals against on this on the season for the Red Wings. They're kind of like mid table, like the yeah. goals against per game and stuff like that. They're around the same, but I guess I was trying to like lead you into the question of what do you do? Do you keep running a rotation, or is it time to like ride the hot hand a little bit? No, not yet. Um, I'd I'd be patient. Um, a little bit, not like too patient to where Huso's playing awful and i think if huso were to have like two bad games in a row yeah then you you play the hot hand um yeah so i mean he 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 didn't have a great game against montreal he wasn't terrible like a lot of those chances against you're like what are we doing but also it's kind of the same situation that happened against buffalo right you have this hefty lead and then you just you go too far into a shell where you're just giving up too i mean more more specifically against montreal they tried to go like too much shell and I don't know that they're they're really equipped to do that. Um I think they gotta keep pushing pace. That's the kind of team they are right now. But they just gave up way too many chances, like point blank on Huso. Granted I there was a couple of them that I would like him to make a save on. What was the one? The Armia one. Armia, yes, that one. But I mean, that was Raymond fell on the power play, right? And then it was a two on one the other way. Yeah. So, I mean, like little things have been a little bit of a problem, but it's not like he's he had the worst game in the world. Um, No, his two starts before that were honestly really good. Yeah. Which kind of all this year, he's kind of let in a leaker a little bit during almost every game. I mean, him and Reimer kind of had that issue. And Lyon hasn't had that issue yet where I've just seen a stinker. Yeah, no. He's uh, – I'm very happy for him because, again, he just seems like a guy that just, like, nothing really holds to him. Like, he's very – he's quietly confident and nothing really gets at him. I think a lot of that, too, is – I mean, he's talked about it, too, of being, like, a third goalie slash, like, AHL guy for a long time. Like, finally getting his opportunities, not really stressing about it too much and – it's it's cool to see. I am I'm very happy for Alex Lyon. Yeah, I mean, hope... goalie's Go always been like the late bloomer thing too. I mean, I mean, even look at Huso. Huso, what what age did he 20, start? Twenty six. Twenty six. That was like the year he broke out. Yeah, Lyon's not that much older than Huso. Two years. Yeah, like again, like I know, like people are like, oh, who's gonna be like the starter for now? And like, if it does end up being Alex Lyon, like it, again. Goalies have a lot more leg time than than what you think. Like goalies will still be productive into their mid thirties. Yeah. And also Alex Lyon still has a year left on after this deal. Or after yeah. after after this season. Which is actually really important to know. Well, him and Huso him and Huso have the same term. Yep. Which is which is which is like noteworthy. Um and then there's James Reimer who hasn't seen ice since uh Sweden. Which is an interesting thing, and I'm curious what happens there. Because, again, now with Kane at 23, you really start to push your ro- roster flexibility. And I know Sean Shapiro on the Eisman press conference, I was asking him about it. And Eisman was like, well, we're fine right now. But, like, if you really, like, read into, like, kind of, like, the way he was talking, he kind of seemed like something will break eventually. 
And I wonder if this continued play of with Lion eventually does break that. Because again, if like you have a, a forward like or let's say like a defenseman or a forward banged up or something like that, all of a sudden your flexibility kind of goes out the window of being able to like who you're gonna play and stuff like that and calling up like an Edvinson or something like that or a Zarnik. The thing is goes too, out the window. like when you look at everything in the in the big picture, it's not like they're thin at goalie right now. Like I'm talking about the minors too. Like if you have to, if you had to like let's say eventually you had to waive Reimer, he's probably gonna get picked up off waivers. But if you had to waive Reimer or trade him somewhere, your third goalie's still Michael Hutchinson. You did the sign him to uh, an NHL deal because he's only on an AHL tryout right oh, now. Okay. So you'd you'd have to, you'd have to do that. I think their plan was honestly was going to carry three goalies until Hutchinson's tryout ran out and then try to slide Lyon through waivers. I think that was their initial plan, but now that we obviously completely changed. Yeah. They can't but, do that now. It's, oh no. You're yeah. yeah Alex Lyon at 900 K. Yeah. Edmonton, Ken Holland sprints up to the phone to call and be like, I will make a claim. Yeah. Quickly followed by like a Carolina who cannot get a save currently. Yeah. That's which sucks. makes the James Reimer thing. Like all, I think James Reimer could be a Carolina hurricane. Yeah, I mean he's been there before. That's kind of my point, and also he has a trade. He's in a seventeen no trade list, which I don't know. I don't know off the top of your head how many teams you know that are in Canada, but There's I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. It's the same number. Yeah. Um. So I would assume Carolina is not on his no trade list. So therefore, that's kind I, of my bet. I also, almost... New Jer- New Jersey as well, underrated team that could be looking for a goalie. Yeah, man. I I that sucks. Vanacek, I thought like was kind of promising. Not gonna lie. Yeah, he's had a couple games. Like, even against the, the two games they played against the Red Wings, I really didn't think he was that bad. I thought he looked good. Huso yeah. looked, looked solid that or in those games, too, I'm pretty sure, right? He, only played well, one against he, one. he looked really solid in that first game. And they, I mean, it was like kind of a goalie battle for a little bit. Now it's kind of exciting to think about. Yeah. Okay, Huso's going to be like solid this year. There's been a lot of goalies that have kind of been a little bit disappointing this year. I mean, you think about Vanacek, think about Antti Ranta. Um, like Vamelka, Vamelka, yeah. Who I mean, Connor Ingram is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, and it's a great story, but still, like Vamelka was always the guy. Like people were like, let's trade for Vamelka. Like, yeah. So all that more interesting, but yeah, goaltending is uh honestly the Reddings are getting quality goaltending right now. Yeah, they are. whatever way you want to dice it up. I mean, and who's just been playing? I I mean, sure he wasn't great the last game. They won. The last game he played, sorry, that's till two points. Yeah. Is it sustainable? No. In terms of you can't always bank on your team bailing you out, but it'll be curious. Uh especially the Sharks have been plucky a little bit here. I mean, a couple a couple games where they've been scoring a lot, so uh I'm curious to see what it looks like on Thursday in terms of uh uh how Huso plays. Cause I don't think it's as easy as my people might think. But yeah, it'll be uh something to watch. Um, I kind of like a, to kind of wrap up on the show here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, th- I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the P word. That's playoffs, baby. Cause, okay, uh, okay. I mean, look at it now, like 20, uh, they're almost 25 games in it's over a quarter of the season. You look at like the various sites. I know, um, Dom decisions model came out today and projected the Red Wings at like 94 two or 94 points and it was a 51 percent to make the playoffs and then money puck you'll get money puck and detroit's at 82 percent right now so i pulled up right now this is before the games that happen um obviously on wednesday so you have like a florida who plays two which will change the odds whether how depending how they do and all that but it feels way more tangible to have this conversation right now and you especially when you look at like i think that went the 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 buffalo game and how they've done it, like how Ottawa's played. There's teams that we thought that the Red Wings would be battling against that haven't performed. Even like the other wild card and like the Metro right now is a weird division and teams underperforming. So I guess my question to you is like, is this like something that we should have a conversation about right now? Like in terms of like and super like serious, and like this is hey, this is really tangible, or is it still like let's pump the brakes and just enjoy it or last? I, I I would kind of pump the brakes and enjoy it right now. I do think may the conversation could be had right now. I just um don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. 
at this point in the season. Like things can fall fast in this league and standings change quickly. I mean, obviously, like there's a lot of teams right now that are not in the best spots right now, but are kind of uprising. Like I, I look at Ottawa. They haven't played very many games and they're 10 and 10. And I think there's a team that's playing pretty decent hockey right now. And the Red Wings play them this coming Saturday. That's going to be a really important game. I don't, I still think Ottawa is like a pretty solid team. They have a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Again, kind of going back to the summer conversation was always like, oh, Detroit's behind Ottawa and Buffalo. And I still think that, like, you look at that conversation, like, in the basis of it, when you look at, like, the cores of Bull, I would still say, like, in terms of young cores, Detroit is behind. It's just how the veterans and the depth of the Red Wings have really propped them up. Yeah. Because the weaknesses of both teams that we've we laid out, I mean, Ottawa was plain and simple depth. Top of the lineup, good. Bottom of the lineup, not great. Yeah. That's been a factor this year for them. Buffalo, Buffalo's been fighting a lot, of, a lot of injuries. Buffalo's and... injuries, goaltending, and defense. We kind of said that going into the year. I mean, I had my hot take that Buffalo is going to finish top two in the Atlantic. I had them at three, so I guess very firm I mean, believer. That could be Red Wings and Buffalo opposite, possibly. But um, I just think we mentioned heavily – this offseason that like goaltending is going to be a big thing for them. And like, if they get the goaltending, there's a legitimate chance they could take first in the Atlantic. I think this division, we kind of said it's kind of open for the taking for whoever is there. I mean, you saw like Tampa Bay missing Vasilevsky to start the year. Boston lost their top two centers, Florida missing Montour and Ekblad, which didn't matter whatsoever. Same with missing Krejci and Bergeron from Boston. Um, so, I mean, just little things like that made this division a whole heck of a lot more intriguing for the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, again, you still look at the division right now, right? Like, it's still pretty wide open, in my opinion, for where people where they place. I know Boston had that really hot start, but I mean, they've kind of like sputtered a little bit. Not like bad, but they've been more so I like. I think down they've to... came down to earth. Yeah. I don't. Still, I don't. They're still I, a playoff team. But this this whole time that they've been on this run, I never once looked at them and thought they were the best team in the league whatsoever. I, I always thought there'd be a time like pretty soon that they'd come down to earth a little bit. And I mean, I remember when they were. They had zero regulation losses, and I was still saying that they're not that good. Yeah, I remember you when you were. Uh, I think it was they were playing L.A. and it was like their first good game of the season. I remember telling you I was like they're gonna get smoked tonight, and they ended up winning in L.A. and I was really yeah. upset. <laughs> yeah, um, and they're and I think the Red Wings are only like three points behind them. I think at this point now or something like that. It's it's not that far off. I think it's like six. Maybe it's a little. Oh, that's right. They're like thirty-eight. I think Detroit's at thirty-one. Nine and seven. Yeah, it's thirty-seven and thirty-one. I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. So again, but I mean, it's still like way more in reach than like what it was. And then Florida has lost a couple games here, but they're basically they they look good. Florida's good. I I think Florida legitimately has the best shot to win the maybe the division right now. I would say. Yeah. Even though they, even though they have ground to make up in Boston, but I just like how I, they're playing. I, I would agree. I think they have the most, like, when you look at top-end talent and then depth behind the top-end talent, I would say they're in the best, like, situation. I mean, you their, got, D, their, their D's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Me too. Their D played really good while Ekblad and Montoro. And if Bob can play like Bob, I mean, he he's top-five goal in the league when he's himself but that's 10 percent of the time <laughs> yeah but i mean you kind of look after like tampa's really sputtered they're kind of an interesting team 500 vassy he's been played he's played better the last couple of games i think but overall like well they got murdered by the by stars Dallas, the other night. yeah and then they went back and kind of kicked the shit out of them a little bit i mean it was 4-1 but still yeah but again that's a lot of again they kind of put themselves in a hole a little bit where 
it, g- games in hand all of a sudden. Like I know the Red Wings have two games in hand on Tampa. Yeah, it's it. It's hard to build up again. Going back to the Ottawa thing too. I I know they've played less games, but you got to win all those games to even be in the conversation. All of a sudden, it's a lot of ground to build up. That's why like the odds switch so much. Buffalo too. I mean, again, I mean, it's, it's you. You know, I don't like the centers whatsoever. Right? They're in no, last place. They're in last place in the East right now, simply because of games played. I mean, yeah. Like you look I at mean, like, if you you point yeah points percentage is. I always look at, I always look at points percentage. If you look at like Detroit, they have four more games played than Ottawa, and Detroit's got like only 24. I mean, Columbus has 27 games played and they're one point ahead of Ottawa. Ottawa's 10 and 10, but I just like look at recent games from Ottawa and I've watched a couple from them and I'm like yeesh, they look good. I I think tomorrow night's going to be really interesting for them as they play the Leafs. Oh yeah, it's two teams that are And I I don't water. I don't think the Leafs are that good. I think the Sens are honestly like I'd rather play the Leafs than the Sens. Um, in terms of the Red Wings, the way they're like constructed, I would rather play the Leafs. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like the Red Wings were obviously playing, but watching bits and pieces of the Rangers Senators game the other night, Sens looked good. Yeah, it was a big game for them because they kind of needed to win that one after. Kind of a, again, like you said, like they kind of sputtered a little bit. Um, but yeah, um, and you look at the Metro. Other than Carolina and the Rangers, it's kind of just like toss up. The rest is just kind of mid. Pittsburgh looks unfortunate a lot of times. Philly's playing awesome right now. Philly's playing that, awesome for what they are, but obviously, that's it is when, when it does is. that when does that happen? When do they fall off? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's yeah. I'm not being like obviously compliments to them they're playing really well but they will fall off um and again I, it looks like kind of looks like three teams from the metro are like going to be in the race like i'm not really scared of the well, I, I think i'm not scared of the penguins eventually new jersey is going to take a stranglehold on like three yeah the third on spot, three yeah. they're gonna jump up soon and i ultimately i think it's gonna end up being five from the atlantic because yeah. I I don't believe in the Islanders. I don't believe in Washington's bad. I don't care. Pittsburgh's bad. Columbus is really bad. Washington um, got carried by a hot, really hot stretch from Charlie Lindgren. Yeah. So I mean that the month of November they had literally zero power play goals. <laughs> That's they just not, lost you to Arizona six yeah, to zero. <laughs> they were winning games two to one, and they were getting outshot by quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and they just got smoked by Arizona. Yeah, but Arizona, Arizona's fun this year. They are fun. I'm super happy for them. Um, but yeah, like again, like go to the Red Wings again. They have a lot of stuff. Like depth is the big thing right now. Like you have a lot of lines. I mean, you have Daniel Sprong on your fourth line producing is big, right? Like not a lot of teams have that. No, nope. and this is kind of the plot right now. I know, like we have some underperforming guys. Like I think actually Michael Rasmussen's had a really good last couple of games, especially in Buffalo. I thought that was one of his best games of the year. Um, Andrew Cobb's been really up and down. I've liked him a little bit more when he's on like the third. He's anchoring the third line center spot. Me I feel too. Like he's open. I think I feel like he's opened up a little bit more. Um, and so I mean, you get you get to that. Like, there's a lot of good stuff going on. I think defense is still like the the Red Wings kind of Achilles heel right now. Um. And so I plug in Simon Edmondson should be on this team right now. He's been really good of late. Um, not sure why he's not up, but in all fairness, I still think Jeff Petrie has been playing pretty decent. I mean, that pass to Michael Rasmussen on, on Tuesday night, top notch. That was a really good look. And he also fed Daniel Sprong as well. I think he he's strung together quite a few or a couple of really good games now. More recently after we bashed him for a little bit. Yep. Um. So that's really good to see. Not going to lie. He looks, he looked really good against Buffalo. Yeah. Now, do I think Simon Edmondson's still one of the best six defensemen in this organization? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, hundred percent. So I don't really care who you'd have to take out. I still think like that's your biggest like to have a guy like that being put in. I think all of a sudden it's a completely different conversation. But alas, I do think that the defense has been shaky at times, but overall like serviceable. I'm happy with it. This is like a fun team to watch. Like it's uh again the last two games here where 
you get up to big early leads and you kind of like fight it to keep it and end up with two points. Ugly. You don't complain about wins, but it's not sustainable. So I, I'm curious to see what adjustments they make. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna kind of do it for this one. Um, obviously, looking forward to kind of a pretty big week here. San Jose, obviously, like they've had their issues, but they've been pretty good of late. I think their record, like, is honestly like closer to 500 their past ten. So it's not it's not a joke. And also, Mackenzie Blackwood's been playing really well this year. Um, you got a hungry Ottawa team coming in and yeah, all of a sudden that's, it's an interesting conversation while those games go, but we'll be back next week. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Um, make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, follow on Twitter, check out the website and, uh, yeah, also leave a review on Apple podcasts also helps with the charts, gets us, uh, higher up there. Um, And yeah, thank you for listening.